0: Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 4, and I do this occasionally. Once you get there, I'd like you to hold your place and then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've entitled this today, and we'll see it very clearly in our text, God's Master Plan for Reaching the World. God's Master Plan for Reaching the World. The world, You know, it is easy for us to whine and complain about how the world is and how messed up it is. And as tempting as that is, and I know we're all guilty of it, including me, the truth of it, the bottom line really is this. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, nothing. I just like complaining. Uh, Well, that's not an answer, really. It's not helpful to anybody. What are we going to do about it? God's master plan, you see, as we, have, we saw last week that Jesus, for us to be reached, for us to end up in heaven, for us not to go to hell, for the world to be reached, for Christianity to mean anything, Jesus had to conquer sin and death and hell and be victorious before he could ever build his church. Because there would be no church if it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross. And we find that in the gospel. That's why Paul says what he does here in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, which I preach unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. And then he gives the basic outline of the gospel in verses three and four. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which i also receive how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures this is in essence the gospel this is the good news god in the flesh jesus christ came into the world went to the cross died on the cross to pay for all of our sins that we've done or ever will do wrong he died for the sins of all mankind he was buried he rose from the grave 3 days later proving It was sufficient, proving the Father was satisfied. Like the lady sang this morning, it is finished. That means paid in full. The payment is made. Now, all that's left for us to do is to believe God did it for us, to believe Jesus did it for us. That is salvation. And when you simply believe, God gives you everlasting life. So, Jesus had to conquer sin, He did it through the gospel. And now, There's the reality that he is God. He is the living Savior. Our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life. And now God tells us, okay, you have been reached with the gospel. Now what I want you to do is I want you to reach others with the gospel, and so this is what we see. He did conquer those things and is head of the church in our salvation today, and he offers the ultimate reality in the gift of eternal life. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We have enjoyed three in part of four rich chapters in the book of Ephesians talking about The details, the riches, the blessings that we have in Christ. Not only being reminded, but also being instructed of all the blessings that God has for us in Christ. And you know, God wants us to dwell on those things. He does want us to think about those things. But we need to understand, folks, those things are only unlocked for the one who has put his faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior. Lost people have none of it. They don't have a clue. They may have religion, But they don't have Christianity, which is found in the person of Jesus Christ, and so they don't know. And so what does God do? He says, okay, those of you who have it, he's writing to a local church, remember the church at Ephesus, those of you who have these rich truths, and no church, by the way, was given richer truths than this one, he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to take the message, and I'm going to show you how... This mission is to be carried out around the world. And so here it is. It is through something we call the local church. Now, there is the church universal or the the body of Christ, which means all believers all over the world, whether they go to church or not, whether they're part of a local church or not, whether they've been baptized or not, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're part of the body of Christ. Now, I'm talking about trusting Christ the Savior apart from works, because if you're trusting in your works, you're not saved. It's only those who've trusted Christ alone as Savior, they make up the body of Christ. But that body of Christ, church universal, I mean, all over the world, that church, that body of Christ, God has given that body a way to be most effective in reaching the world. And it is through this thing called the local church. And it says in Ephesians four eleven, it says, and he gave some apostles, and this is what God has done to the body of Christ, okay, the body of Christ, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Whew, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. We're going to break it down, though, and you'll see how beautifully this goes together. But let me say as we open this up, Jesus is in the process of building his church. Now, it is the church universal. It's all believers all over the world, whether they are worshiping in an actual local church or not. But the local church is the will of God. The local church is the vehicle. And we see because it's the hub if I could call it that. It is the hub of training. It is the headquarters where the training takes place. And then from there, we are to go out. But I'd like you to write this down. A biblically effective church is an obedient church. A biblically effective church is an obedient church the Lord has called each of us who are believers to fulfill our responsibility to the Lord, starting with the local church so that we can accomplish his great work in the world. This is how God has planned it to be. Now, I know there are some people say, well, I don't like the idea of a local church. I just want to do my own thing. Friend, listen, if your thing is biblical, good for you. But can I tell you this? You are not really as God wants it to be. God wants you to be a part of a local church, okay? I realize if there's none in your area, we've got people I hear from on a regular basis, and I appreciate it, who say, I'd love to be a part of a local church. We just don't have one in our area. And I like to say, and I'll say it again, and I mean it with all my heart, what can we do to solve that problem? Listen, if you're a a man and a student of the Word, study the Word. Maybe God wants you to start the church in your area. Get some families together. Start a church that way, a, a local church, and get it going in your area. And let it develop based on the principles of the Word of God. It can be done. Just a matter of doing it. Now listen, the Internet's a great way to reach people. But folks, the Internet falls short of God's plan. God can use the internet. He's using the internet. He uses our church over the internet. And we are grateful And all the the friends we've made and encouragers and supporters and the people who've been a blessing to us that we've met over the internet. I'm not saying it's bad. No, it's good, but it's not the main thing is what I'm saying. So what do we see? Let's break this down. Number one, we see the plan of God. We see the plan of God. The plan is simple. Now hear that. The plan is simple. You don't need to go to college to figure this out. We're going to cover it today, and you'll have it down. And here it is. We see this, okay? You notice in, by the way, you notice in verse 12, it says, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting means the equipping. So he gave these men, as we're going to see in just a moment, I'm going to show you a chart. He gave these men to equip the saints, those in leadership are to equip the rest of the saints so that they, the saints, can do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ, the church, can be built up. That's what edify means. It means to build, to erect, so that it can be built up both in quantity and quantity. The leadership equips through teaching and preaching and practicing the word of God. So how does the leadership equip? Through teaching and and preaching and practicing the word of God. Let me show you how this works, okay? It's a master plan in scripture. Look carefully at this chart that I we have up here today. The mission of the church, this is how it's done. When Jesus set up the church, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, okay? Gave these five, these are gifted gifted men to The body. Yes, there are spiritual gifts involved, but they're gifted men to the body. All right. And what are they to do? They are to work, and they are to equip the saints, the perfecting of the saints. If you are saved, you're a saint. Now, where does this take place? This takes place in a local church. This is the main place it takes place in the local church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to equip the saints. The saints are to do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? It is to reach the world for Christ. So these men teach and train the rest of the saints. Not that they're not doing it also. Of course, you lead by example. But they are to teach and train the rest of the saints... To do the work of the ministry, which is world evangelism and discipleship, when you lead somebody to Christ out of the world, guess what? They now are a saint. And where is that saint supposed to be? He's supposed to be in a local church. God has ordained local church. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints, that's all of us, that's you. To do the work of the ministry, that's reach the world. And as you reach somebody for Christ, you not only lead them to Christ, but as much as you possibly can, now you take that person and you say, hey, you need to be a part of our church. And when they come and they start coming out, and by the way, you don't just invite them once, you keep inviting them. And once they start coming out and they sit under the word of God, they are being equipped themselves. But equipped just to do what? Now listen, and I hope this doesn't come across as rude. But as I view and I observe Christendom today, there's a gazillion different Bibles on the market. And now the thing is, so much of it now has to do with just yourself, just yourself, just yourself. You've got uh, Bibles and, and they make them and they say, well, the reason this Bible is made is so you can create art in the margins and all these kind of things. Now listen, if you want to do that, you can do that. What I'm saying is this, please, people are going to hell. This is serious. I may love feeling close to God, and listen, I know what that's like, folks, and it's a wonderful feeling. But let's remember it's not an end in itself. For me to have the peace of God in my life, let me understand. I may want to experience the peace of God in my life, but there are people who don't have peace with God yet, those are the lost. And I can spend all my time feeling good and feeling warm and fuzzy and feeling close and all these things, but yet there's a world going to hell and somebody's got to tell them. I say, well, I would, but I don't know how. What? You don't know how? Keep coming if you haven't already learned. You will learn if you keep coming because what are we doing? Here's where I come in. I'm equipping people to do the work of the ministry so the body of Christ can be built up And as they get saved, they become, they're a saint. And now they are supposed to be here so that they can get equipped to do the work of the ministry. And when you lead a soul to Christ, then they're here and they're supposed to get equipped. Do you get the picture? We are supposed to empty the lost world and they're supposed to become a part of the body of Christ. This is God's program for reaching the world. This is how it's supposed to be. All of us who are saved are supposed to be part of that. So we see the plan of God, and the plan of God is simple. He's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, okay? The apostles and prophets are off the scene now. By the way, it's interesting. You notice evangelists are mentioned there? You might say, wait a minute, I thought evangelists, all they do is go and preach the gospel. No, no, that isn't all they do. They go and preach the gospel, and then they motivate and teach other people to preach the gospel. You notice their ministry is to the saints. Yes, it's to the lost, but that's a given. Guess what? Our ministry is also to the lost, right? Every Christian's ministry is to the lost. It isn't, well, there's are special people, they're called evangelists. It's their job to share the gospel with people. That's not my job. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. According to the word of God, do you notice it? God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's the great commission. Evangelism, discipleship, to the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ. And so we are all supposed to be part of this plan. Listen, no one excluded. No one Let me get borderline rude for a moment this morning. If I was to stop the service right now and I was to walk and I was to get in your face, each and every one of you, I'm talking about six inches away. I won't do that. You know, COVID restrictions, but anyways, I won't do that. And I was to get in your face and I was to say to you, what are you going to do with this? Is this going to change your life? Is your life going to change? Are you going to be more motivated after today? What about you? Are you just going to go on if you're not doing it? Are you just going to go on or just say, you know what? That place makes me uncomfortable. I'm leaving to find another church. Is that the solution, to leave and find another church? No, that's not the solution. The solution is to submit to the plan of God and be a part of it. That's the solution. And so in a Minnesota nice way today, consider me in your face about this. See, because here's the truth, folks, people may be offended by a person who says what I just said, or they may get uncomfortable with it, but you're really not getting uncomfortable with me, you're getting uncomfortable with God. Because the, Jesus said, the word which I've given you, that will be your judge one day, how you responded to what he said. Well, I don't like that. Uh, Let's see, what can I do to make myself feel better? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll pull out the L card. Legalism. He's being legalistic. No, I'm, I'm not being legalistic, friend. I am sharing with you the passion of Jesus Christ. When he saw the multitudes, he didn't go tinker around with colored pencils. He was moved with compassion because he realized they're like sheep who have no shepherd. And if they die lost, they'll burn forever in a real hell. So we see the plan of God. But number two, we see the problem of man. While the plan is simple, the problem with getting the work done is not with God. The problem is with his children. See, we've got all kinds of false priorities. Verse 14, he says that we henceforth be no more children. Tossed fruit to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. The problem is with Christians who will not cooperate with the plan of God and will not obey the plan of God. See, it's an issue of teamwork. Some would rather remain children and not develop and mature into responsible believers. Many believers today look at church from a consumer standpoint. What do I mean by that? They come to get stuff. They come to get stuff and to use the church, not to give of themselves, not to make it stronger, more effective, but just to get, just to get. That's a consumer mentality. We have people go to other churches. They bring their kids to our wanna program. Do they ever come to our church? No, they use our program for their kids. Now, listen, we're glad to minister to anybody. But I'm saying you got the wrong idea. If you're going to be part of our church, be part of our church. Pastor, you really shouldn't be saying these things. You'll drive people away. Uh, listen, friend, the time is short. We need to get on board with this, Okay. If somebody doesn't like our church, I want to know, okay, why don't you like our church? What is it that we are doing wrong, biblically wrong, that you don't like? Let me know, because I don't want to do anything biblically wrong. But if the fact that we think Christians ought to be responsible, every single one of us, in serving Christ and doing our part, that's exactly what Ephesians 4 is talking about. This is the master plan to reach the world. Many look at the church from a consumer standpoint. When they have gotten everything they want, they leave. We've seen it time and time again. In the meantime, they're failing to be what God wants them to be. And this is where the breakdown comes in. This is why the church is not reaching the world. It's because we are bent on our own way, our own agenda, our own plan. My time is my time. It's not... God's time. It's my time. We won't say it, but that's what we believe in our hearts. In verse 14, notice also that there really are people in the world who purposely deceive and try to lead others astray. And can I tell you this? There are people in the church, not necessarily our local church, but in the body of Christ or in Christendom. Let me put it that way. Maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. Who lead other people astray into false Teaching, and some, of course, are leading others into false gospels, which is no gospel at all. Yes, they do it on purpose, and most Christians are naive about this. This is another part of the problem today. 1 John 4 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Many false prophets, false teachers have gone out into the world. There's plenty of false teachers today. Let me be kindly blunt today. Get off the internet, get into church. It's easy to sit hour upon hour upon hour and watch preachers on the internet. That's easy. It costs you nothing but time. But to do the work of the ministry is going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some inconvenience, maybe a rearranging of schedule. So you see in verse 14, don't be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, okay? That's the don't, but what's the do? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We've seen first, we've seen the plan of God, that's simple. We've seen the problem of man, and that's sad. And then number three, we see the summary of our mission. And we find it in verse 15. It's really simple. But speaking the truth in love. See, this will also keep us from being led astray. Did you know that? Let's break this down. Speaking the truth. These are right words. The truth, that's right words. This is the faith mentioned, by the way, in verse five. Remember, it talks about one faith. This is what we're to be speaking We're supposed to be speaking the truth. This is the faith, okay? This begins with the gospel of grace. That we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 4, 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. It's faith alone in Christ alone apart from works. Jesus said in John 6, 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Folks, this keeps our focus right and challenges us to stay on track. We need to speak the truth. Find out what the truth is and don't just have it. Don't just hoard it, but speak it. Speak it. Notice also, though, we are not only to speak the truth, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. This is doing it with a right spirit. This has to do with motive and also has to do with method. We speak the truth because we care about people and know that is what they need. But we do it in a loving manner also so as to not turn them off with a bad attitude. And by the way, when we talk about speaking the truth in love, in love does not mean syrupy. Don't you want to just trust in Jesus, bless your heart? No, no, no. We speak the truth in love. We care, but we tell them the truth. Genuinely kind, but you tell them the truth. Colossians 4 addresses this. In verse 6, it says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Well, you haven't been very gracious today. I'm trying. I really am trying to be gracious. But friend, you know what? There is a passion for the lost. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. We ought to be gripped by the plight of the lost. They will not be condemned when they die. They're already condemned. They need the gospel. And I mean it kindly, but there is an urgency to this. Yes, we should do it with the right attitude. You know, some people, unfortunately, there are some people who are very passionate about evangelism, but they talk to lost people like they want them to go to hell. That's not the right attitudes. You can be as clear as, as ice, but just as cold. No, we need to be kind with people. We need to understand they need to put their faith in Christ. When we speak the truth in love, what does it bring about? Look at the third thing here in this verse. It results in spiritual growth and maturity. This not only benefits us, but look at verse 16. It benefits the whole body, which leads us to our fourth point. The importance of everyone, the importance of everyone, and that includes you. I used to play sports, baseball. I played a little bit of football. One season was enough for me. But I played baseball, and I love baseball. But you know, like a lot of sports, baseball is a team sports. Can I tell you this? There is a reason team sports are called team sports. Because it takes a team to be successful. You can't just have the best pitcher in the major leagues and think you're going to win the pennant. No, you have to have good players all the way around who have a cohesion, who who work together in harmony, that are selfless people, that they work in such a way and they, they mesh in such a way and they blend in such a way to where they are so powerful together. That is the way we need to be as a church. Everybody is needed. The importance of everyone, and that includes you. What a fiasco it would be if a baseball team had every player but a first baseman. It would be a disaster. Hard ground balls hit the third base. The third baseman leaps 15 feet to his left, snags it, looks like a snow cone. It's half in and half out. Jumps up to his knees, throws it to first, and there's no one there. And the ball just keeps going to the fence. And that runner just goes around and around. Okay, listen. I would say, well, that's kind of silly. Is it really? It's not silly at all. Local churches have holes that need to be filled. And if within the local church, even specific areas get filled, they only get filled not for the purpose of saying, okay, we've got all positions filled. No, it's to to get equipped to do the work of the ministry, to the edifying of the body of Christ. The ministry is evangelism and discipleship. God wants all of us to be sharing the gospel. The importance of everyone, and that includes you. Look down to Ephesians 4, verse 16. It says, For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Notice the language here. You underline it. The whole body every joint supplies according to the effectual working or effective working in the measure of every part. Look at it again. The whole body, every joint supplies, every part, only when all of them are working effectively, it says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying, the building up of itself in love. Notice here, these three aspects. Every joint is to supply everybody. What does that mean? Every joint means every joint. I say, well, I'm not, I don't think I can teach. There's plenty you can do. No spectators. I've had people say, well, you know what? I'm not very good at that. Okay, let me ask you this. Can you share the gospel? Well, I don't think, no, you can. God says you can. Well, it scares me. I get that. I totally get that. By the way, did you know Paul was scared at times to share the gospel? Paul, what is courage? It's fear that says its prayers and goes ahead anyway. Everybody can witness, everybody can give, everybody can encourage, everybody can volunteer for responsibilities, and everybody can be here. Let me tell you something. If we fulfill, if every one of us fulfills just those things, our church would be more dynamic than it's ever been. But it's people don't take it seriously. And that's where the problem comes in. Now, again, I may not be talking to you this morning on this. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm both feet in. I bend both feet in. Praise God. Thank God for you, by the way. But folks, if you're not plugged in the way you ought to be, please get plugged in. We want to be the most effective that we possibly can be. It's not about numbers. It's about souls. One great Bible teacher of the past, he's with the Lord now, he said this, and I love it, do not be content to come to the meetings and just be a spiritual sponge. Fill up and then let the Lord do some squeezing. Give it out to somebody else and then you will carry out the true principle of New Testament ministry, unquote. Boy, that's powerful. Come, fill up, but then let the Lord use you and let him do some squeezing, to other people, you can be effective. So we see every joint is to supply. Secondly, every part is to work effectively. This means you, and that means me. And what is the result of us being what we ought to be as believers? The result is the increase of the body in quantity and quality. Invariably, the more people get get reached, the more potential there will be, that they will keep coming and they will learn and they will grow and then they will become a part and be effective. Not only that, but more people, one to Christ is more people, that's quantity. But see, God's not just interested in quantity, he's interested in quality too. Because as we grow spiritually and we become what God wants us to be, we will be more effective for the long run. And that's what he wants. Let me close with just some thoughts here today. When a lost person dies, they'll spend forever in hell. We have the message. They need to believe to escape hell and live forever in heaven. We have the message. If you're saved, you have the message. Let me say it again. If they die, they're lost forever, and they'll spend forever in conscious torment. We have the message that will keep them out. But they can't believe it if they never understand it. That's where we come in. How am I making a difference in all of this? That's a question I ought to ask myself. How am I making a difference in all of this? Am I being faithful with the gospel? Notice the emphasis is on I. Well, no, you know, I want to. I want to give my life to uh, just uh, making our country a better place to live. Is that all there is to it? You're going to die. Listen, there's a day coming. I I hate to tell you this. Now, I hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime. Prophetically, there's a day coming when the United States of America will cease to exist as we know it. It's coming. Did you know that? It's coming. I think we will fold once the tribulation period comes. We will fold as a nation. All the Christians will be taken out. The Christian influence will be gone. And the wicked, evil, Marxist, satanic element... Is going to completely take over this country. I would much rather invest in leading people to Christ who will be saved forever and escape hell for all eternity. We all are going to give our lives to something. Let's give it to that which is most important. When everyone does what they are supposed to do, souls will be won to Christ. Not only that, but there will be personal spiritual growth, there will be blessing. There will be joy. There will be harmony. There will be love. There will be reality. And we, as a church, can end up, to the best of our ability, end up fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's say somebody came up with a cure for cancer. One pill. One pill. And it didn't matter what cancer it was. Didn't matter. It would take care of every single cancer, and they said, here are the pills. Anybody with cancer, this will completely cure them. They'll never have cancer again. Or you know somebody dying from cancer. Here are the pills. All they need is one pill. Wouldn't we do our very best on getting those pills to those people? Matter of fact, wouldn't you just, hey, maybe you have cancer. Here, take one anyway, just in case. You need this Really, everybody needs it because you never know, right? Wouldn't that be great? And it's free? Well, we don't have a pill, but we have the gospel. We've got the plan of salvation. And guess what? It is free. Everyone needs it. And it gives everyone who believes everlasting life. This is what it's about, folks. How about you? How about me? God has a master plan. How am I doing in being a part of his master plan in reaching the world? Well, I I do my one one thing. You know what? Praise God. Praise God for one thing. But you know what our one thing ought to be is my life. I live my life for Christ. That should be it. And we can all do something. And really, we can all do more. Let's give our lives to this. One last verse, John chapter 3 and verse 36. It says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believe he died for your sins and rose from the grave as the payment for your sin. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth, right now, abideth on him. If this is us, then this is our sin. You can't go to heaven with sin. You can't go to heaven. If you die with it, you'll be lost forever in hell. Jesus came because he loves us so much. He came, God in the flesh, took that sin upon himself, and he made the payment so we don't have to make the payment. And he died and he rose from the grave. And he says, if you believe in him that he did that for you, when you believe in him that he did that for you, His payment is good on your account. He gives you everlasting life. He promises you'll never be lost again. You're saved forever. You have everlasting life. Isn't that a wonderful message? Are we sharing it? Or are we letting life go by? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.